All right, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Designated Players Podcast. You're either listening to us on a streaming service or watching us on YouTube, and thank you for being here. Uh, I'm Andrew. I'm, I'm one, of the, one of the three hosts, the three designated players, if you will, of uh, the Designated Players Podcast. Uh, we're just trying something new here, uh, looking into a, just a weekly podcast about uh, MLS, CONCACAF Champions League, U.S. Men's National Team, if there's time. Uh, but just a way for us, so the, the, we got three of us here who, who talk all the time about this type of stuff and figured, why not get it out to the world and get other people's uh, thoughts on it? So like I said, I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm a big Red Bull fan. Uh, and I'm joined by Adam and Connor. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, Connor, you can go first. <laughs> all right. Well, as Andrew said, I'm Connor. Um, haven't been following the league for too long. Kind of got into it recently, so... Kind of have to take everything I say with a grain of salt because probably not going to be right. Um, I started following the league the same year that Atlanta joined the league, so I decided to be an Atlanta fan and follow them from the start. And I'll let Adam introduce himself now. Uh, yeah, I'm Adam. I've been following this league for about eight years now. Uh, joined, started following uh, the year before NYC and Orlando came in. Uh, I was invited to do a fan kind of fantasy league led by the NYC Twitter account. And just as a way of getting the NYC fans excited for the league, I am not an NYC fan, however. That will never happen. Very uh, Growing up on Long Island, uh, obviously I'm with Andrew as a Red Bull supporter. Um, but this year I've decided to not jump ship uh, totally, but hop uh, and attach myself to the Inter-Miami bandwagon for a bit yeah i mean i i don't think anybody can blame you you're following uh the greatest goalkeeper of all time so exactly got us <laughs> one of the nicest men in sports uh i was just about to say uh, uh we're rocking we got two guys rocking scars here today uh, and i think we're gonna we're gonna alternate them through uh week by week but uh i'm currently rocking one that was signed by luis uh it's a defend our fort scarf where we were able to see him on his uh going away tour and uh, i got it signed by him and that's the one I'm rocking for the opening one, and I think Adam, what are you rocking? I've got the uh, not MLS, but the USL uh, forward Madison Flamingo pink and blue scarf. Sing the single greatest non MLS team outside of Red Bull Two, future uh, MLS team, and, and, future, and I cannot, future MLS. I cannot wait until they're in the league because they're gonna they're gonna take it by storm. Um, but yeah, so so this is just something we're gonna do week by week, and and. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll change things up. But this week, we're focusing mainly on the new teams in the league, um, being Nashville and being Miami, talking about kind of the league in general, uh, and then making some bold predictions, uh, way too early bold predictions on what's what's going to be happening. Um, but before, before we get into any of that, uh, news broke today that NYCFC is going to be playing their CONCACAF Champions League game at Red Bull Arena. After years of saying they're never moving outside of New York City, they'll play on a baseball stadium forever if they have to, but they're never going to New Jersey. They are being forced to play in New Jersey. Does anybody have any any just off the off top of their head thoughts on that? I mean, I love it as obviously a Red Bull fan. It's just one more little dig that we'll have that they – don't have a stadium and 
obviously have to come crawling into ours. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. But it it also comes with that grain of salt where if they actually end up winning there before we do that, uh. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll worry about that when it happens. <laughs> yeah, if it happens. Um, but yeah, I was I was reading up on uh, on Facebook and and Twitter, and and it seems like there isn't a single person in there who is happy about this. Um, and and there are people who are are basically ready to ready to jump ship and saying fold the team now because they are tired of this stuff. And it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next uh, few years, few years uh, if they're even still around. There's room on the Miami bandwagon with me, so they are, <laughs> they are more than welcome to join. That's right. Connor, any thoughts? Uh, I mean, I don't have too much to say here. It doesn't really involve my team, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's still it's entertaining to see because I, I get to see the rivalry from an outside perspective, and then it's like all the smack that they talk about you guys being in Jersey and now they're off shipping themselves to Jersey now. <laughs> yeah, no, we all, Hey, listen, we get to watch your rivalry too against Orlando, you know? So, so yeah. we're, we're on that rivalry side as well. In quotes. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely some sarcasm in there. Um, and then I guess another one kind of, again, off the, off the little script here. Um, kits dropped today. Uh, this is being recorded on the 5th of February, which means that about an hour ago, the new MLS kits for year 25 were dropped and I like a lot of them. I didn't think I was going to, but I think the Red Bull one came out really, really nice, really happy with the way that came out. Um, there are a few of them I didn't like Connor and I were talking about it earlier before, but, uh, any, but any other ones other than Red Bull that really stand out to you is something you really liked the Atlanta one. Yeah. The That's white and surprising. gold, the white and gold looks nice, but those were the colors I grew up playing in, so I'm oh, a little partial to that one. Um, I don't hate the Orlando one. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. I and agree. if I had to pick a fourth, um, yeah, we'll go with LA. We'll go yeah. with Galaxy. We'll go with the Galaxy one. It's simple. Connor. Uh, I actually I liked RSLs and. I also liked Chicago's. The only thing with Chicago, though, is I really don't like the badge. And I think it's just, it almost seems like a stain to me on there. <laughs> but otherwise, otherwise, I really liked their jersey. You know, um, I thought Atlanta's was a little boring, but, you know, it was safe, I guess. Like, nothing could really go wrong with that. And I also, I, yeah. I really liked the Red Bull one. I thought that was good, too. You know what's really funny is I'm actually looking right now on the MLS Instagram post of all the kits. Chicago's kit didn't make it into the into the MLS Instagram post. That's oh, really funny. Um, but yeah, no, my I think my top three outside of the Red Bull kit. I really love Minnesota's kit. I think they're they're they got these like black stripes coming from the shoulder where the stripes are, and I think it goes really really nicely with what they have. I don't hate Sporting Kansas City's kit. Um, honestly, don't hate New York City's either. I think it looks all right. Orlando's is really nice, and I'm with you, Connor. I think RSL's is one of the one of the really really nicer looking ones um, in there. But anyways, all, coming off of that, why don't we move into actually what's on the script and our thoughts on the new teams and the new league, uh, or and the, and the expansion of this league. And and let's kind of start with expansion and the idea that we are now entering a league in the 25th season with 26 teams in two conferences. With no pro rel, and I'm going to throw this to Adam to start. 
So Andrew and I have been talking kind of back and forth off air uh, over the last couple of days as we got ready for this, but I think it's just getting to a, a ridiculous point as of right now. I mean, there we're the only team, we're the only league, excuse me, that I can think of in the world that has more than twenty four teams. I think is the biggest other league that I can think of, mm-hmm. and we have plans for at least four more that I'm aware of, if not more as this league develops in the future. That's insane. Like, that's way too many teams, especially when we don't have a relegation system. I think we get teams in their first year, like a Cincinnati, for example, that weren't great. Like, I think the league probably could have done without them, and I'm always... Not going to knock the expansion teams because I, I love seeing this sport grow. I love seeing, you know, the Cincinnati fans in their orange and blue and their fan base obviously get to support a team that's local to them other than um, Columbus. But I think at some point it we focus on quality over quantity. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, that that's one of the things that I was noting was, yes, there's definitely way too many. And you're trending towards this idea of a league that is desperate for promotion relegation based on just how many teams there are. But you can't promote or you can't support pro-rel because the fan bases that are currently present in this league will not survive with a, if they get relegated. And I'm, I'm talking teams like Colorado, Chicago, Columbus that are only pulling like 15,000 fans now. If they went down, that team folds in a heartbeat. Right, you get you're not you're not sticking around to watch a, a second division team if you can't even pull fifteen K to a first division team. And that's the reason why we can't throw Pro Rel in there right now, but we're expanding so quickly where we're either going to suffocate ourselves or we're going to force ourselves into a pro rel before we're ready for it. And it's not a good look for the league, in my personal opinion. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, I I was also thinking about the uh what you said about like Chicago and stuff. And it's like, if they did get sent down, you know, they're not even pulling that many fans right now. Like their numbers were probably maybe even half, but then I kind of thought about it. Like maybe that'll be a way to encourage management to try to spend more on trying to get fans or players in. That's interesting. That's a really, you know, that's not something I thought of. And the reason I haven't thought of it is because you have owners like Robert Kraft, for example, in new England, where, these teams are, are second or even third on their list of priorities where they're more worried about the football team they own or the, or the businesses that they own, where this is, um, you know, they don't care if this team doesn't do super well because they know that it'll still be there next year. It'll still pull in decent enough numbers where they won't worry about um, the numbers that are bringing in. And, and the, I, I think the idea is cool. I'm just not sure it's, it's, logical at the moment you know what i mean yeah i know what you're saying yeah and i I think it's nice when you have all these new teams bringing in big markets in their first year like fcc portland uh and even nyc were bringing in these huge huge uh stadiums full of people in their first year but they aren't able to sustain it i I think the biggest number and and i guess maybe i'm a little biased using this example just because it's the closest team and and the biggest rival but nyc started off with like 25 27,000 a game they're dipping close to under 20k a game and that's in a four five six seven however long they've been in the league i don't even know at this point um 
they've slowly been decreasing their um, attendance and their and their numbers and their ticket sales, and and that's not a good look, especially for a team in a market like New York City. Um, you know, that's just not a good look. And and again, it's not a promising uh, figure if you're looking at it um, for you know league development or anything like that. You know, we don't have this soccer is life uh, stick with them through thick and thin lifestyle that Europe has. I mean, like I said, you, you see um, a team that can't get a stadium that is being forced to play at other stadiums. And instead of, you know, I'm going to follow these guys till I die and they'll work it out. They're saying, all right, I'm out of here. And, and you know, that's and understandable at this point, but you need to allow this league to grow its fan bases instead of just forcing teams in. If you can have years where you have consistent numbers for teams over 20,000 for two, three years constantly, then you can look at bringing in these bigger teams and 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 bringing in more fans like that. I mean, I think you're going to have hit or miss, right? Like you bring in a team like Atlanta. Atlanta comes in and is dropping 70,000 a game, no question. Then you bring in a team like Nashville in a, in a similar soccer can't succeed here market. And they're, they're struggling to even sell 70% of their season tickets. And it's, it's again, you're, it's almost like you're forcing things down the throat where they don't belong. And... It's worrying, right? Because because one wrong move in this this league can go south real quick. Yeah, and I think, and I th- this is the the most recent example that I think I have to give credit for because they've been the leaders ever since coming into the league is LAFC. Um, not sure. I know Andrew. I think you watched the documentary they made. Yeah. After their first season, Connor. I'm not sure if you've seen it. So. But- Oh, it's un- unbelievable. But the the level of detail and planning and just every single thing they put into p- building the stadium, building the club, saying, you know, these this is our group of owners and this is what we want this club to stand for is what I think is making them such a success despite being one of the most recent teams in the league. Um, like they flew a uh, section of their supporters over to Dortmund to experience what being the, being in the yellow wall is like, so they can recreate that as a thirty two fifty two in their seat in their stadium and try to get an atmosphere. Um, and this was already a city that has a team like twenty minutes down the road. It's not as if this was a brand new market that they were trying to break into. This was uh, there's already a team here, but I think that we can build and establish our own reign of dominance but if you look at uh nashville or cincinnati i I don't know if there's necessarily that kind of plan and forethinking there yeah you're right and that's that's kind of where i tie it back to what connor was saying before where you know if you if you force pro rel you know maybe maybe you force these owners to um you know put in a little bit more effort into their team but at the same time you know, you have teams like Nashville where, where maybe they don't, and maybe they're like, all right, this this was a failed experiment, and maybe it, maybe it's just not not going to work. And and again, it's it's something that'll be very interesting, and is obviously going to be something that's talked about time after time after time again, year after year after year, and expansion team after expansion team is when is it coming? When is it coming? And it'll be interesting to see if and when it comes. But um, you know, until then, it's always going to be speculation. And um, I think, like I said, Atlanta, LAFC have hit it nail on the head. And and I think there was an article that came out that said. Um, you know, they have to, the, this is the, the model that they want other teams to follow. I think the Atlanta owner said that, like we, we set the, the tone for a reason other teams should follow, uh, follow suit. And, you know, that's, that's the only thing you can hope for at this point. Cause if you don't, 
you know, then, then it'll be, uh, you'll be, you'll be having some issues for sure. Um, but I guess speaking on the next, the, the next two teams in the league, why don't we start with talking a little bit about Nashville and how they've built their roster and, and kind of where we, where we see it going. So um, before, just one last question I'll pose to the two before we get the two teams. Um, Do you think in terms of new expansion teams, it's better for the league to start from ground zero like a Cincinnati or let's say we add a a forward Madison or Phoenix Rising, teams that have already been established in the USL, are one of the bigger teams in that league and say, you know, if you can prove to us you can reach – X number of attendance, then when we expand again, you will be one of those expansion teams. I'll throw that to Connor first. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I guess just like looking at over the last couple of years, there's always been like a a group of twos coming in, except for like the one-off year of two like new teams coming into MLS. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every time it's always been like, there's one team that has had a history, maybe in like a lower tier, and then there's a new team that's just completely like brand new from the ground up. And I feel like the teams that have started from the ground up have had more success. But that could also be just because of the spending. But I think it there's a lot of hype around it too, especially like in the city. Like this is something completely brand new. Like I think it'll get people's attention. People will want to come out. And then maybe that'll change over time as like the as it's been around for longer. Maybe they'll the fans won't see it as something that's as hyper new anymore. Yeah, Connor, spot. I think I'm 100% agreement with that, right? Like if you look at uh, Adam, I'll actually kind of go against here. I think FCC was one of those teams that they brought in that was started from USL. Um, mm-hmm. And they came up and, and played, uh, played here. And they, they were matched with Atlanta, which was brand new. And it comes exactly down to Connor. What you were saying is, is with spending, right? You've got an ownership that knows, how it built its roster, how it wants its teams to play coming from USL up and, you know, that it needs to make a jump and needs to make a transition. Um, and then you've got a, a brand new owner who's coming in and saying, we're willing to spend whatever we want to, to make this work. And, and that money right there, when spent correctly, which Atlanta and LAFC did very, very well, um, is, is important because if you spend it right, you're making a team that can compete and play different, a different style that we haven't seen. You know, you're not bringing a USL style up. You're bringing a brand new, exciting, attacking, quick play um, that Atlanta and LAFC have. And, and those are the two forefronts, really. But, um, you know, it's, it's super important that you have that, that monetary backing and the idea that you want to play exciting football and play exciting um, and and different, not just a USL level of get it in, dump it over, and and play, you know, hard body football. It's it's not the way the league is trending anymore, and and I think that's why it's actually really important to have um, the monetary backing. So I don't think it's it's necessarily based on if you have if you have experience as a team or if you're a brand new team. It's really about if you're when you make the jump or when you're planted or is your ownership ready to spend what they need to spend and, and sacrifice maybe a, a part of who they were to make a different style of play that will succeed in the league. I think that's, that's what it really comes down to. Okay. Even so I, I agree with the different levels of spending and the, the smart strategy versus 
maybe not having a, an established plan coming into the league. Um, obviously, MLS is a little bit of an outlier when you compare it to the Premier League or German, like Bundesliga and other leagues around the world in terms of the salary cap and general allocation and total allocation and the whole uh, it's just a mess but do you think because we have those kind of caps and you can only you can't lafc can't go spend a 40 mil on to bring in one player like do you think those would help kind of level the league out I think it'll cause more disparity actually because you're gonna like like we mentioned before you have teams that have that that owner that is willing to spend whatever they want. You look at LAFC and, and we talk about that um, documentary and, and they, they had a clip where I think it was Nomar Garcia Parra sat down and said, listen, we're ready to spend whatever it takes to be competitive right off the bat. And then you have teams like FCC or Nashville that are, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit more cautious about what they're doing and, and how they want to approach things. And, you know, they're, they're monetarily, uh, tied up so if you're looking at you know who's ready to sign the big 40 million dollar player and you're letting everybody have the ability to do that only a few teams are actually going to take advantage of it based off of the ownership that they have and because of that you're actually going to see a larger disparity between the 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 top and the bottom of the league than what we have right now okay interesting yeah i kind of feel like uh I think it depends on what the league is looking to accomplish if they want to keep the cap or not because i feel like if you're if you're looking to grow the sport in America, then I think having the cap is good because it's a good comparison to the other sports in America where it's kind of more on a level playing field where it's not just like one team can spend as much as they want. But if you're looking to grow, I would say internationally, like outside of the US, I think MLS would get more respect if they didn't have the salary cap because that's what I feel like that's what they have overseas like in england or germany and they have that disparity that you're talking about it's like you have the teams that spend and usually do well and they're like always winning and you have the teams that just scrape by and get in yeah no 100 percent, absolutely agree so yeah so um, so yeah. why don't we uh why don't we move on then and talk about the two new teams in the league starting with nashville because we, we've actually touched a lot on nashville already um but but why don't we why don't we kind of lay out what we see and what we're what we're thinking and and I already my first bullet point on this is something I brought up already is that I'm worried about their attendance and their and their fans that are going to be brought in. Um, you know, you, we talked about they only hit as of the 23rd of January. I looked it up. Only 70 percent of the team's uh, sales goal for season tickets was met. So they, they set a goal saying we want to sell X amount of tickets. They're only at 70% of that, and the season starts in a month. That's terrifying for a brand-new team when Atlanta and LAFC were sold out within a few days of um, being a team and, and opening up their, their ticket sales. Um, and, and we talked again about teams like NYC who, who start off with these twenty seven to 30,000 averages and then drop below you know 20K at some point, and they're winning. So can you imagine what happens if a franchise like this that is struggling to sell tickets now starts off really, really slow? They're going to be the next Colorado or Chicago, and they're not going to um, they're not they're not going to be able to bring anybody in, no matter if they start winning or not. Um, yeah, I, I'd have to agree. It, it's definitely tough 
especially as this league gets bigger and bigger, if you're not hitting attendance and there isn't as much of a buzz, especially if the results on the field start to decline, which, I mean, looking at the roster, and we'll go into this in a little bit, I'm not super excited by them. I mean, I'm sure they're still adding, but uh, you just add all those factors together, and I just can't see them being successful this year. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it makes sense that they're not hitting their sales targets because, I mean, me personally, I just can't see anything that gets me excited about Nashville. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, it's a it's a it's a market that they I think this is the market that they thought Atlanta was going to have when when Atlanta got announced. This is what they were expecting. They were expecting problems like this because both of these are in the south where soccer isn't a big thing. It's a football controlled uh, American football controlled, um, you know, market and, and soccer was always struggling to, to punch through. Um, Atlanta did it very well by, by doing it right. And it seems Nashville isn't doing it the right way. Um, and that's something obviously to see as time goes on, you can't really predict it, but just off of what we're seeing right now, you know, it's a little bit worrying, especially for a brand new team like this. Um, but you know, we'll we'll let that take shape as it goes, and we'll we'll take a look at that as it goes on day by day. But uh, why don't we talk about uh, their roster and and kind of the, your first thoughts? We we'll break it down position by position. But right now, you look at their roster, and and what is your first reaction? Meh. <laughs> yeah, same um, here, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have they have one DP as of uh, us recording this, and Tani Mukhtar. Who and I'm someone who can you know name players and leagues all around the world. I've never heard of him. It's not as if an NYC Brandon David Villa or an LAFC Brandon Carlos Vela, you know, the big name like headliner player that's going to draw attention and draw your attendance up. They just don't have it. I mean, I'm the biggest Dax McCarty fan. Probably, well, second biggest. Sorry, Andrew. Um, I, I caught myself, but. <laughs> I mean, even Dax being there just it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Dax is the only reason I'm still kind of invested in this, actually. Um, for me, not super upset with the way they've done it. Um, so what I'll, what I'll say about your DP comment, did anybody know who Miguel Almiron was when he came into the league? No. Exactly. So yeah. he could, he could, he could hit, you know. What I think the issue is, is you're right when you say it's not the name grabber. When you're struggling to sell tickets, you need the name grabber. You look at DC United was struggling, brought in Wayne Rooney, and they started, first of all, they started playing better, but it also gave more excitement in DC. And that's what they needed to hit right here. And they still have two spots open. They could look to hit another person, but you're right. Nobody knows who this is. And he doesn't have this, you know, he's, he's German born, played in Denmark. You know, he doesn't have this South American, really explosive, um, really exciting uh, bit about him, right? So so nobody really gets that feel. And I, I completely agree with that. Um, and they, they really should have shot for somebody like that. And maybe they are. We don't know. However, I'm not terribly upset with what they've done. You know, you bring in an instant leader in Dax McCarty. That is huge. You know, it's it's the Michael Parkhurst to Atlanta, if we're, if we're comparing it that way. You can give him the armband on day one. People are going to look up to him. They're going to respect him. And there's no question about that. That's something you need to build a team. Now we look kind of going forward, or actually, Connor, I don't, I don't believe you had a, a say on that. 
Um, I mean, I think you guys kind of touched upon the majority of what I was going to say, but I guess the only thing I would add is I just feel like since Atlanta and Minnesota joined the league, there's just kind of been like the Atlanta way of joining the league and then the Minnesota way of joining the league. And I think that stayed consistent when LAFC and FCC joined. And I feel like it's trending that way again this year. And it seems to be like that's the the way things are going. And if that follows the trend, then I I'm, can't see Nashville doing much the first season if they follow the same trend that Minnesota and FCC did. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, um, you know, it, it, and I think that's the reason why a lot of people aren't blown away by what they're looking at right now, because they're comparing. They're saying, are you coming in as Atlanta or are you coming in as Minnesota? And that is um, – that's the comparison. And when you look – are you are you signing big name, exciting, expensive players, or are you signing MLS vets, no name internationals, and maybe a DP that that may or may not hit? And that's the, that's a comparison you're making. When you see this roster, you immediately go and think Minnesota. And I think that's a great point, and I, I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, but even I mean, oops, sorry, no, but even when Minnesota had come in, I mean, they had a Darwin Quintero, they had bits and pieces that you could see they were trying to create an identity and we haven't seen Nashville play so I won't comment on their fan atmosphere but Minnesota has the Wonderwall I mean they at least have looked at teams in Europe and have seen this is the way we should be doing things whether or not the results on the field kind of went along with them but those I think that is something that they can build off of like i think having the fan atmosphere and the attendance and that kind of support should come first and then you can kind of worry about the stuff on the field stuff if it went the other way around i think that team would be worse off than they are yeah no great point um so if we look starting from the, we'll go back to front i think the back part of this team your defensive mid to your back line to your goalkeeper Lots of experience. You look at players like Joe Willis from Houston. You've got Dave Dave Romney from L.A., Eric Miller, who's bounced around to a bunch of teams, Dax we've already talked about, and Daniel Lovitz, who's, in a, as much as I hate to say it, a U.S. men's national team outside back. <laughs> and, and you look at that and you think, okay, it's not amazing. It's not something that jumps out at you and says, wow, these guys are locking down and, and giving up, you know, 30 goals next year and that's it, right? But it doesn't look at you and, and you don't look at it and say, okay, these guys are going to get ripped apart. You know, they, they've got a lot in there that can, that can, you know, you can look at them and say they're going to they're gonna stick tackles when they need to stick tackles. They're going to cover. They're going to gel well together. Um, and you've got a lot of that. And, and their backside with that experience is going to be helpful for them going forward, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, they have Jamie Madronda as well, who's had a few years in the league with uh, SKC. I I think that's their strongest part of this team, arguably, as far as experience. And every time I look at this roster, it just reminds me of Cincinnati, where they're just going to throw numbers behind the ball and hope that one of the guys up top can do something. Yeah, I mean, can't deny that they don't have a lot of MLS experienced guys. I'd be curious to know how the chemistry works out between these guys. 
Yeah, interesting for sure. Like, um, you know, you you look at FCC who brought in a ton of uh, MLS vets and and guys who have known the league before, and it took them a long time. And, and honestly, they never really did get going. The, the last their last stretch of games was okay, but they never really got going and clicking. And it took a lot of intertwining and a lot of playing with that roster before you found something that stuck. So, you know, that's definitely something that um, that that can be an issue. And I think it is the least of their worries right now because as we move forward into the midfield. For me, it jumps out as very hit or miss. You've got Anibal Godoy, who is, you know, somebody you can play next to Dax McCarty, and they can both be really good uh, enforcers, ball winners. Godoy is great passer of the ball. His stats, I think he hasn't had a, a season in San Jose where he had anything under 86% passing percentage. So he's very good on the ball. So you can have Dax as your ball winner. Godoy is your spreader. Um, but Anibal Godoy also hasn't made more than 27 appearances in a year. They signed Derek Jones from Philly, who has always had this really, really high potential and has always gotten hurt every year. So it's something that, yeah, you're taking a flyer on him because he's got this high upside, but he could just go in third, you know, third game tears ACL. Um, and then that leaves a lot of weight um, attacking going forward for uh, Hany Mukhtar, which we talked about before, this German-born attacking midfielder um, who is who's going to be a part of um, this really, really fast and unproven attacking line, <clears throat> excuse me, and we'll get there in a second, but, you know, he, he, he was a uh, Red Bull Salzburg player at one point, which is, you know, not to Red Bull, but um, he spent most of his time in Denmark, and he was the guy who, who pulled the strings, quote unquote, and I, I put quotes around that because he made a lot of these appearances and had lots of assists, but he ghosted in and out of seasons, uh, so... He had three goals and four assists in this three-match span in November two or three years ago, and his next involvement was two assists in April. That's a big gap to have nothing going, and especially in a place like Nashville, if you don't consistently produce and consistently give balls that are going to help, they might have a really, really tough time this year, and that's what the midfield says to me. Yeah, I would fully agree. I mean, I think... The, any kind of creation is going to have to come through Hany Mukhtar I, other than, unless they sign another DP in their midfield. But again, I'm looking at their roster now and in terms of creative kind of talent, I'm not seeing a whole lot. Yep. Yep. And it's going to fall right on him. Thoughts gone. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have much to add on that. I feel like you kind of nailed it right on the head. Yeah, right. So so it, it's very hit or miss. It's very, very, um, you know, lots of question marks around there. Um, and then you, you go from that middle three that we were talking about before into an attacking line with wing plays and, and strikers that are extremely rapid. You've got David Akam, Dominic Baji, and Abidan Ladi all of whom are, are rapid and, and a little bit clever. Don is a little bit clever up there, but they usually miss before they make their shots. And that's, that's worrying if, if you're in uh, the shoes of a team like that. Um, yeah. I, again, I, it just reminds me of Cincinnati where their back line is, the main kind of focus they had brought in the defensive kind of midfield pairing of 
of Dax and Daniel Lovitz and Granda, and they're just going to have numbers behind the ball, kick the ball up to the three rapid guys up top and say, all right, have fun. See what you guys can do. Yeah. Very, very low cost, high potential. Yes. Um, and that's the, that's the view here. You know, if, if you can, if you can make Mukhtar into somebody who you bring in for a mill and you sell for three, you're, you're already making yourself money that you can reinvest in. And that's, I think that's kind of Nashville's view here is get in, get yourself rolling and, and see, see what you can make and see what you can get out of it. Yeah. I mean, if they follow that, maybe they'll follow something similar to Cincy, how they're kind of making their more like bigger signings now in the second season. Yeah, definitely, definitely one of those. Can you can you survive the first year, and then get your feet wet, and then the next year you'll you'll really try and make. And you know, Minnesota did the same thing, right? And we're and we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about Minnesota versus Atlanta, and and you're right, very FCC, very very Minnesota feel of the of the lineup so far. Now the other hand, Beckham's baby finally arrives. Inner Miami FC has been. <laughs> In talks now, I think since something like 2015. Like I, I think it's gone back that far, where they've been waiting five years, maybe, to get this thing off and running. And it finally happened, and definitely is the bigger of the two names. Way more hype surrounding it, obviously because of their owners, um, and and you know the way that they're building their their roster again brings more uh, excitement into it, right? Yeah, definitely, 100%. You certainly hope so at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So so you look at, Connor, initial uh, initial reactions, you look at their uh, their roster. What are you, what are you thinking, just, just based off of names and, and, you know, positions with depth and whatever? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I got to I gotta say I like it. They have a lot of uh, experience in their defense. You know, they got Roman Torres, Ben Sweat, Luis in goal. And then you just added Will Trapp to sit in front of them. You have, you know, Victor Joa and then uh, Alvis Powell. And then you got Lee. You know, they got it. They got experience back there. And then they certainly have not been afraid to splash the money on signing some good attacking players. You know, they got, uh, where they got Julian Carranza. And then they also signed Matthias Pellegrini, and then the recent news of uh, Rodolfo Pizarro. Oh my God! If they get Pizarro, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if 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 that's their attack, I mean, that's going to be super exciting. It's going to attract a lot of fans to come watch them, and then you would hope that the guys in the back have enough experience to play well enough to keep them in games, and then just let that attack go off and just score as much as they can. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think they did a good job kind of picking and choosing bits and pieces from around the league. Obviously, the amount of experience they brought in with guys that we mentioned, like Juan Agudelo, Luis Robles, Ben Sweat, like guys who have been in this league, have been on successful teams, kind of know what it takes, I think will set them up very well, especially when more of their star kind of guys they're hoping to carry them as far as offense-wise, like a Matthias Pellegrini, who's only 19, and I believe they're on lone DP as of this moment. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a Robbie Robinson who they drafted uh, first overall. I mean, the young guys up top who are going to be your goal scoring threat are really going to look to the experience you guys they have at the back to say, you know, you guys be our leaders, show us how we do this, and let's cause some chaos this year. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and I think you, you, I think you guys hit it on the head with the, you know, the experience that they pull from the league, right? We already talked about Robles, um, you know, being one of the best again leaders, bringing in a guy who is a a proven leader already that can start and take a lot of these young guys that they're bringing in, the young signings, and teach them how to how to play whatever they want to, you know, the the style they want to play, or or how to adjust to being a professional athlete, like things like that are really really important. Roman Torres can do the same thing. I think what people aren't talking about is this young McCoon, the center back that they brought in, who is supposed to be the the starter next to Torres or whoever else they have in that spot. Because I have heard a lot of really good things about him, and he could be one of the you know defensive player of the year caliber players in his first year if the hype surrounding this guy is is what it is. But but absolutely right. So the the midfield is the big focal point of this team. Uh, we talked about Pellegrini, and he's obviously going to be the next Almarone type player. That uh, and again, you know, we we compare back to Minnesota or Atlanta, and and obviously this is the Atlanta build. And you're looking at him to be your next Almarone, the guy who comes in, tears it up, and you can sell him on to Europe, sell him on to the Premier League for big money. Um, if Pizarro comes in, same idea, you know, and and that would be huge for both of their careers and both for the league, right? Um, I hope Victor Ojoa can revitalize his career here. He was good with FC Dallas, and then FCC came in and broke him. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping he'd come back. I liked when he played in FC, FC Dallas. I thought it was really good. I uh, really liked the way he played and, and hope he can, he can you know, mix things up with Inter-Miami. I'm not sold on their attacking lineup, and that's just my, my take. Their two strikers on roster as of right now are Juan Agadello, Red Bull legend, and um, and Robinson, right? So you're looking you're looking at either Agadella to have a career year, or you're looking at Robinson to put put up rookie of the year numbers where he can compete with players like Carlos Vela, um, Joseph Martinez, um, Brian White, obviously, and obviously, yeah. Um, but no, right? So so you're looking at you're looking at this kid to come in and put in pro numbers in year one. Um, and, and that's just not something that's ever really happened from a first round draft pick before. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. And I think a lot of people are hyped for Beckham's new team, right? It's been in the works for however many years, but the way they built it is, eh, they're going for big name, you know, splashy, flashy attacking players, but their backline doesn't have a lot of depth, right? So, so we were talking about, I forget which team we were talking about. I think Adam and I were talking about Kansas City. And if one of their one of their defenders goes down, it's all over. I think the same yeah. thing happens here, right? They're not deep in their back line. And they're going to go play attacking, strong attacking football. And if that doesn't, you know, click right away, they're going to concede a lot of goals. And you're looking at a team that if they don't get clicking, because Agadell is not known to be a, a prolific goal scorer, and Robinson, as a rookie, is hit or miss they could fall short of a lot of expectations this year. And that's just one of my, um, one of my, my shortcomings of this team is right now, obviously they're still building and they need to get a little bit of depth, but 
it, it doesn't strike me as a team that is absolutely 100% playoff bound, going to be a, a semifinalist in the playoffs, no questions whatsoever. It just doesn't, it doesn't jump to me like that. I think that's okay, especially it being their first year. I think the goal for this year is to get accustomed to the league, get some of the younger guys in, build the identity of this team. They brought in Diego Alves as their coach, who I'm so excited for. He looks like the Uruguayan Antonio Conte. He looks like the guy in the suit every time they score, going ballistic on the sideline. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, um, no, 100%. I'm, I'm absolutely excited to see if he can bring that same energy. Yeah. Yeah, but I think they spend this season kind of look at their identity and what they need to improve on. They get rid of next season um, some of the older guys, like Ramon Torres is going to be 34 this year. God. Luis Robles will be 36. I mean, some of the, the more senior guys, Lee Wayne will be 34. Um, so I think they brought them in, like we've said, just to be the experience that kind of mentor to the younger guys, especially their kind of star DP and the younger guys coming in, um, and then replace them and reshuffle and kind of fix the weak areas going into their second season. Yeah, for sure. So I want to I wanted to pose a question to you guys, and obviously you guys have seen all of the crazy hype over Inter being linked with these like world class players, like best in the world. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm curious to, and as of right now, it seems like they've gone more of the Atlanta route and signing kind of like up and coming South American talent. Do you guys think that they're going to continue to go that route, or do you think they're going to scrap that eventually and go for, I guess, more of like an LA Galaxy and get the name grabbers? Um, I think I don't think it's just them. So as we're doing research for this podcast, and I was looking at you know the different transfers in and out of the entire league, I was blown away by the amount of South American talent that was coming in. There obviously Chicharito is the big one coming in from Europe, but just the amount of teams that looked down south into usually attacking talent. I know a few teams brought in big money defenders like um, Seattle, no Portland. Um, so I think it's a, a league trend in general, um, especially if Inter Miami are looking at Rodolfo Pizarro, like we've said. Some of the big names I've seen them linked with as far as European talents, some I get, some I love, some I would be more than happy to see in our league and to watch them week in, week out. Others, I don't see it. I mean, we we hear all the time MLS is a retirement league, and I think some of the names they've been linked to, like a Pedro from Chelsea, like um, who there are a couple other ones. But like an Edison Cavani, I guess. But Cavani, I think, would actually fit this team very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just there. It's about the player that comes in, not necessarily kind of where they're from. If it fits the system, I'm all for it. If it's bringing a big name because he's a big name, regardless of if he's gonna help us, then that's kind of where I have the issue. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think Atlanta is a very big example of what I'm about to say. But you can't just bring in players because of their name. You have to match them not only to the players they're playing around, but to the coach, right? So you look at you look at Atlanta with uh, Tata Martinez, uh, Martino, excuse me, and you, you put him with Piti, you put him with Yosef, you put him with Mige, and all of these players are just thriving under him. And then you bring in a guy like Frank DeBoer, and it's automatically, we forget how to play football. And that is something that a lot of people overlook is coaches can only do so much with their style if they don't have the players that they need um, to, to fit the style and, and to play the way that they want to play. So um, I think it's really important that that is, is taken into account. So if you look at a, a guy like Luka Modric, who's been linked there for ever, ever since his team existed, and you, you put him with a coach that is, is very um, – Quick, quick pace, quick style, something that you see in the Mexican league a lot. Um, you, it just won't, it might not click because Modric is more of a slow playing, let's get the ball, let's keep the ball, let's pass the ball. And that might not be the style that they choose to play. It's important that um, you, you get the, the players that fit the style of the coach and the style of the club. And that's actually where Red Bull do a really good job. And, um, you know, we, we, rag on them day in and day out for not signing these big name players that we could be like, cause we're used to having on We're used to having Cahill's we're used to having those big name players. But at the end of the day, if they want to play a certain system and that guy doesn't fit it, I, I saw Mario Balotelli linked to the Red Bulls. Can you imagine Mario Balotelli playing in Red Bulls high press system? It'd be awful. No, but it'd be incredible just cause it's Mario Balotelli. Oh my God. Mario Balotelli would be ripped off and he'd be throwing water bottles and back heels. It'd be, it'd be awful, but everybody wants to sign him because he's a big name and that's not how it works. So I, I think it's a, it's it's a great question. I think it's it's important to understand that you need to match um, player to system, player to coach. There's a lot that goes into taking these players in, and I think that at the end of the day, I don't think that they're gonna end up going big name. Uh, they might go big name South America, but I don't think they'll go big name old uh, European football star. I don't think that I don't think that's the way it's gonna go. Just because that's not the way. First of all, the culture of Miami down there already isn't about it. And the way that the coach, I think, is going to play, um, I don't think that's the way it's going to go. So, uh, to answer your question. Is that like, um, are, you saying, are you thinking that like in the short term or are you saying that in the long term? You don't I think, think, I think that's their plan right now. I think right okay. now their plan is, while they're linked to all these big names, I think their, their real plan is to go young South American talent and build it where they can play fast, play quick. Cavani might be a good link. You know, Uruguayan uh, is used to that style of play. Um, I, th- I think he's the perfect signing. I agree. I, I if think, if I they think don't get Pizarro. Would, I think he would be in there with Pizarro and Pellegrini behind him. Oh, my God. Yeah, Disgusting. I think would be good. I think that would be the move if they can get those done. Not for sure. So, uh, any other thoughts on uh, Inter-Miami? Who's who's the better team? Who who finishes the year right now with the roster that's created? Who finishes the year, um, better? Miami. Yeah, Miami. I agree. All right, so that's uh, <laughs> that that was pretty easy. Uh, yeah. so the final final real segment here before we uh, we end it off, we're gonna we're gonna hit some bold predictions, some really early. Um, we look like geniuses if it hits, and if 
they don't hit, then, you know, obviously it was just an out there guess and nobody actually meant it, right? Um, so I think we each have two or three written down and uh, I'm going to throw it to Connor for his first one. All right. Well, I didn't want to go too much into like te- where teams are going to finish just because we'll eventually probably talk about some predictions on where everybody's going to finish. But one that I wanted to mention was that I do think that FCC can make the playoffs this year. Wow. And <laughs> I just think that I just like some of the guys that they picked up, you know, like Kubo and Lakadia. And then obviously those are the big ones, but I just like some of the smaller ones too, like bringing in Brandon Vasquez and picking up uh, Andrew Gutman. At least then uh, he can challenge Garza or if, the unfortunate inevitable injury comes to Garza then you can fill in for him. Interesting. Do you want me to go through show me to go through all of mine right now? Uh we'll go we'll one? go one at a time. Um right. I, I, I like that. I, I think they'll they're definitely gonna contend, but I think I think they just missed out. But that's just me. I know yeah. out of I also think out of I think it helps too that the the East is a little weaker this year, I feel like. For sure. Oh that that's the other thing I want to talk about with Nashville. Nashville are, are doing it the wrong way in the wrong conference. They are they are trying to go slow and steady in the Western Conference, and that's just that's never a good idea. Um but that's that's you know, neither here nor there. But Adam, what what's your first bold prediction of uh of the twenty twenty season? So the ones I have right now, and I kind of took the opposite approach to Connor. Two of mine have to deal with where teams will kind of finish. Um, <laughs> uh, my first one, and I truly think this will happen. Um, Colorado finished top three in the West. Oh my god! Behind behind LA and Seattle, just to give away my uh, my top three. Don't you disrespect my loons? I will oh, losing their best player and one of my favorite players in the league in Darwin Quintero. I think they struggle. Don't but disrespect the loons. I think the the moves that Colorado made this year, bringing in Aaron Trusty, Lalas Abubakar, Drew Moore. I mean, that's their back line right there. And then you add Keegan Rosenberry and a few others, and that looks so solid. And then attacking wise, you add Eunice Nomley, Nico Benize, um Andre Shinyashiki's in it doing his thing now. Like I think that team is going to be turning some heads in Colorado. I 100% agree. I'm very excited to see where they – I don't know if they're top three, but I'm very excited to see them actually play for the first time since – probably since they, they made a run into uh, winning the MLS Cup. That's, top three. That's probably that's the why last it's, time I've enjoyed watching Colorado play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so my my I also went with two, um, two positional uh, team positional ones, and then I went with a, a U.S. Open Cup one, and uh, I'm gonna start with uh, obviously I I had to take a bold prediction on my on my New York Red Bulls here. The New York Red Bulls are gonna be a top five team in the East this year, and let me explain. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so they we we know that they haven't built a lot with big name signs. We talked about it that. You know, they, they aren't in the market to sign players just to sign players. But what they have done is bring in players who know the system, who can fit the system, and who are going to buy into the system. We know Ryan Mera, in his brief stints, has been very good in the MLS level of play. We know that because he beat Atlanta. Do we all remember that, beating Atlanta? I do, too. Thank you. I was there. <laughs> um and then they bring in Jensen, who's going to be good for him to develop and and um, to develop Mera even further because he's he's learned from one goalkeeper for so long 
Now he has a different person pushing him in different ways. It'll only make him better. And if it doesn't, Jensen can step up. He's got like 150 appearances in the uh, Eredivisie, which is a, a fantastic uh, European league and doesn't get enough credit. But um, it'll be good for him to develop. And, and he's a good second. Duncan showed immaturity at right back last year and lapses of judgment for sure. But if, if he grew through that, which we don't know, we haven't seen anybody play yet, he can be just as good as Mario. I have absolutely no doubts about that. I think he can be and will be. We know that Brian White is going to score 15 to 17 goals this year. That's already given. <laughs> Danny Royer, we know, is going to be one of our top goal scorers as well. And Flo- Florian Velo is coming back. And I know nobody likes Florian Velo because he has only played like six games in two years. But this guy is going to score goals. He is one of those weird guys who doesn't look like he should be in an attacking position. But when he gets on the ball, he does some magical things. And he's going to score at least 10 this year. If he stays healthy. In preseason this year alone, he's got, I think he's got like three goals in two matches or four goals in three matches or something like that. So he's putting the ball in the back of the net. Then you also put Sims on the wing, who is going to learn so much from Alex Mawil. It's going to be ridiculous. My God. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you guys got to take everything with a grain of salt, I say here, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yes. you know, and, and, and at, the episode, the day, Andrew. at the end of the day, if you put Kaku in there, pulling the strings with these players around him, I think you're. this is quietly a really good team because we didn't really lose a lot outside of Robles, Mario. And the big one that I didn't actually note here before it actually happened was Kamar leaving. That's going to be the one that hurts. If we can find somebody that... that can replace him there. Egabo, the, the uh, English guy we signed, maybe. Um, I'm not even going to joke about Reese Buckmaster. If that guy sees any time this year, we're in trouble. But but if that's going to be the one that hurts, if we can, that is our weak spot. If we can fix that weak spot, every other position on the field, I think, is is really really strong and solid. Caceres is going to be Tyler Adams this year. He is going to be so good, it's ridiculous. Um, and I, I'm 100% behind this guy being being the next Tyler Adams. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm going to say they're top five team in the East this year. Um, I don't know who they're behind or, if, you know, if they're behind anybody. We might just win the Supporter Shield again. I don't know. Oh, but my God. That's my bold <laughs> prediction number one. I'm amazed you didn't just – you forgot the most important Red Bull player of all, Andrew. Who's that? Who is this the year of? Oh, my God, the year of Omir. Oh, there we yes, go. we need Amir Fernandez um, because Kaku is coming off that knee injury. So somebody's going to have to play in that attacking mid role. Um, and then this guy, I think even Chris Armas said this was going to be a breakout year for Amir. Um, so yes, I'm because really, really he really is so reliable. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But anyways, <laughs> we're going to win the Supporter Shield MLS Cup. And then um, we're also going to win the, the Nations League or, or whatever that, that like weird Liga MX versus MLS like mid mid season tournament thing. We're winning that too. We're winning everything. You heard it here first. Mark. All right. Uh, Connor, second bold prediction because I can't talk about this anymore. I'm gonna like <laughs> I'm gonna lose my mind. All right. So my second one, it's uh you could say it's a little far out there, and by a little I mean a lot. And I'm not 100% set on this yet, but it was just something that was kind of just roaming in the back of my mind. But I'll say Zardes for Golden Boot. Oh, get oh, out. Wow. <laughs> you thought mine was, You thought my first one was bad? You need to leave. 
Uh-huh. So, uh, I just feel like he's been a different player since he came to Columbus. I feel like he's kind of found a home. And, uh, I mean, he's got 33 goals in his two seasons there so far, which, you know, isn't... Obviously, that wouldn't even... That probably wouldn't even compete with Vela. But, um, you know, Zlatan's gone this year. Vela's second year. Maybe there's somewhat of a sophomore slump. Maybe he's just not as interested this year. Um... And I really like what they've done behind Zardes with the team. Just picking up Nagby, picking up uh, Zellerian, and having Pedro Santos, and then possibly Luis Diaz or Yunus Mukhtar. I just think that there's a lot of people that can give him the ball and like really put him into positions to score. And I feel like last year he kind of dipped off because there really wasn't anybody behind him to help him out. You know, Iguain really wasn't much of a... Uh, he didn't really have much of an influence he last year. He was hurt all year, right? So I think... Huh? He was hurt all year, right? Yeah, well, exactly. You're not going to have an influence from the bench. <laughs> so, yeah, I just think that the the guys behind him could really... Oh, and also, they picked up uh, Adi, who I think could be a useful addition to help him get rest if he needs rest, so he's not getting too tired. That's a really interesting argument i think you made it really really well because now you've got me thinking about it um you just you did did forget the point you did forget the point where you said yosef martinez is the worst striker in the league um but that's okay oh my god Uh, i'm gonna leave the podcast (laughs) no but i I think you made a really i think that's a really really good argument and you might see him i wasn't he top like top three at one point last year for a decent stretch wasn't he in the running for a while yeah, week one. Yeah, no. <laughs> it might have been that year or the year before where he was he was up there for a while because I know I had him in my fantasy team for like weeks because he just kept scoring. Yeah, two years ago he scored twenty. Yes, um, that that's what it was. Not he, sure was he was in one. that run. So if he can if he can find that form, you've got a good shout there, Connor. Yeah, I mean, at, two years ago he also had Iguain behind him. That's why I think that having these guys behind him will help him a lot. That's a great shout. Uh, my second, and Andrew kind of inadvertently disagreed with this already when we were talking about Miami, but barring once they finish their roster, so assuming they sign a, a Pizarro or some sort of star striker that can be their talisman up top, they finish top five. I think they will surprise a lot of people like we've talked about. I think the experience that they have at the back will carry them and then again bringing in a Cavani or a Pizarro I think just takes them to that next level and they surprise a lot of people is this top five in the league or in the east in the, in the east okay interesting I think I think it's definitely determinant on who they sign they need to finish their roster well but yes yeah it's definitely out there um <clears throat> My second one is the Galaxy finish above LAFC this year. And wow. and and here's why. You're going to have Pavone who's got, you know, that half year under his belt and he's kind of used to the way the league plays. They brought in their backline reinforcements and they have Chicharito now who is not Zlatan but a damn good second. Um, you've got the young guys who are going to come in and play meaningful minutes and and they're going to have this new exciting style of play, I think. Uh, and 
that combined with the idea that Bob Bradley has also made it clear that they're going to be rotating their squad a lot um, because they plan to make a deep run in CCL. They plan to um, be competitive in USOC. They want to win everything, but because to do that, they need to rotate a lot. So I think you're going to see a lot of games where they just things aren't clicking for certain certain players. And I think because of that, and and because the Galaxy are going to be able to um, to kind of just go full full guns blazing for just for for one thing, I think you see the Galaxy finish above LAFC. I think they drop drop points this year. Interesting. Yeah. And I, we and we could have a whole separate discussion just on this argument, <laughs> but I don't think Chicharito puts up the numbers everyone's expecting him, and that can be my kind of like two point five prediction interesting i think and i'm this is not taking anything away from him i've watched him for many years at sevilla and united and madrid like i've seen him all over the place but last year there were games where zlatan would get the ball and you knew he was scoring didn't matter how many people were ahead of him he got the ball and said you guys aren't worthy of me I'm going to take this game, and this is mine. Chicharito does not have that kind of mentality. He is a ridiculous goal scorer. I'm not taking anything away from that. But I think with that Galaxy team, you just need those kind of moments where he puts the team on his back and just drags them over the line. That's that, That's a fair argument, and I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they line up in week one and, and see if they, uh, they can go through from there. But... Uh, yeah, definitely something to keep a you know keep a, a tally on for for the rest of the uh, preseason and and see kind of how it how it builds up for the rest of the um, rest of the season going into it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I th- I mean, and Andrew and I kind of discussed this off air a couple days ago, but I think LAFC, not the Galaxy, missed out on Chicharito, assuming that cap salary had room for him. I think you throw. Instead of creating this new rivalry between the two Mexican stars of Vela and Chicharito, I think if LAFC had brought him in and you had a front three of Rossi, Vela, and Chicharito, I mean, why would we even have the season? Just yeah, give them the cup. Just give, just give them everything. There's yeah. no point. No, I, I, yeah, that's that's definitely a good point. But I think they're going to rely a lot on Diamande, who was good in spurts, but I don't know if he can be an, a, a day-in, day-out striker. Exactly. So it'll be it'll be interesting for sure to see uh, what happens. But yeah, they they played Vela as a false nine a few games last season, but he's just so much better. That's why I think you just needed that kind of focal point striker like a Chicharito, and they would have just been unstoppable. Yep. Yep. For sure. All right, Cohen, you want to go for number three? Well, funny enough, my number three was about Chicharito. <laughs> my prediction was that he was not going to work out. I just, uh, yeah. I, I don't see it happening because, you know, I mean, obviously he's, you know, he's been at Manchester United, he's been at Real Madrid, so you know, he's got obviously enough talent and good history that to be able to play at these clubs, but. I just don't think he's at that level anymore. And certainly coming in to fill the shoes of Zlatan. Like, no disrespect to Chicharito, but I don't think he was anywhere near as good as Zlatan's been, like, at any point in his career. And uh, I just think that looking at how he's been recently, 
I mean, he's just not really even getting game time much anymore at Sevilla or West Ham. And the game time that he has gotten at Sevilla, he's only scored one goal the entire year. Has he really? And, I didn't know that. Yeah, one goal. I mean, in La Liga. He's scored, I think, two in the Europa League, but their competition wasn't, you know, like, world-class. Right. But, um, obviously, MLS is a whole different thing. Like, the talent isn't nearly as good as it is in La Liga. But I just don't see, you know, like, he hasn't had that game time consistently. Maybe he might be rusty coming in. And then I also kind of question his mindset coming in because... He did make the comments when he joined LA Galaxy about like this being the start of his retirement. So yeah. I, I'm curious to see if this is just going to be like, let me collect my paycheck and kind of just coast through. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people are, are hyping up on when Orlando was trying to get him three years ago when he was like exciting. And now he comes in three years later at, talking about retirement and talking about just kind of, you're right, trying to just get out of there. And, uh, you know, it definitely bodes this feeling of maybe he just doesn't want to be there and maybe maybe it'll be too much for him and maybe he will just be the Jack Rodwell of, of MLS and just show up and, and take a, a ridiculous paycheck and, and not play and who cares. But, um, yeah, no, that I'm, I'm excited to see, see that and, and, you know. Yeah, I'm curious to know if – this is kind of just like a little pit stop on his way to retiring in the Mexican League. Interesting. Yeah, only time will tell, right? Guess so. Yeah, yeah. all right. Uh, my last one, and I actually just changed this as I was kind of finalizing my research before we shot this. Uh, originally, I had Lucas Cavallini... Uh, to have more than 25 goals for Vancouver. But I changed it to uh, Alan Polito having 25 goals for SKC. I'm absolutely here for that. Yes, sir. I knew you would be. Yes, sir. So Andrew originally yelled at me uh, when I was kind of following my initial thoughts on each team. Uh, I didn't have SKC really that highly. But second look through their roster, I think – I was wrong. Yeah. So I hold my hand up and say Alan Polito, as their main striker, will have 25-plus goals. Uh, you're, you're in my good graces again. Good man. Alan Polito is going to be everything and more that they wanted Christian Nemeth to be last year. With He's going to make Johnny Russell and Gerson Fernandez or whoever else they have on the wing better. He's going to make them better, and they are going to become better. The team is going to become better. We're, this is going to be something we're going to talk about in a few weeks um, when we look at the Western Conference and break down teams um, over there. Uh, um, but, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I'm absolutely here for it. 25 is too low. I'm thinking 50. Let's just let's just go out and send it. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, he can't score 50. I need Zardes to win the Golden Boot. <laughs> Zardes 49, Zardes has 50. Yeah. All right, there we go. Yeah, he's going to channel all those misses for the U.S. men's national team. He's going to put them all in the back of the net, don't you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my last one is a really weird one. FC Cincinnati go to at least the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup. Okay. 
they've Fair. so so they're they really are a brand new team, right? They've improved pretty much all over the place. Have had coaching changes, have had had you know switches in personnel, basically all over the place. Um, and it's going to take them time to to gel in MLS, right? So I think they're going to go in. They're going to need to to go through and work on that as the year goes on. But as they enter USOC, they're finally going to start clicking. They're going to realize what works between Kubo and Lacadia. Um, you know, they, they picked up back line depth with this uh, Tom Peterson guy who I think is going to be really good for them next to Kendall Watson. Um, cause, or um, Vanderwerf, either one of them are going to be uh, really good next to each other. Uh, Abdul Salam has, is supposed to have been this really, really good um, outside back, really young, high potential, and just never really got clicking. He was jumping from Seattle to SKC, and I think he was at uh, NYC at one point. Um, and he just never really got game time, so I think this could be a really good showing for him. Um, we, we talked about Kubo and Makati already, and, and I think that'll be good for them. Uh, and then you've got Harris Mandunian in, um, who's going to be your, your ball winner and your, and your pass player and um, something that they, they really lacked last year. So I think after everything starts clicking, once they uh, enter USOC, um, especially if they aren't really in the league picture at that point, you know, if they start the season really slow and uh, they need something to, to revitalize themselves, you, you look at their run when they were a USL team last year and they made it all the way out um, to the semifinals against uh, New York Red Bull, and they almost beat us. We had to take them into overtime to, to knock them out. And, um, you know, I think it's that sort of atmosphere that they need um, to go ahead and, and really push themselves uh, through and, and become, take the next step as a team. And if we're being honest, who doesn't want to see this happen? Who doesn't want to see FCC succeed? Me. Oh, you boo you. Back in the back. In the back I, feel like, I feel like all I've done this podcast is just smash on in Cincinnati. And I don't mean it, but... I'm okay with them not being successful. Uh, well, you're no fun. You're a every South team need, elf. every every league needs a last place team. Yeah, exactly. That's what Orlando. That's what, <laughs> that's they, what the Red Bulls yeah. for. Cincinnati had six wins last season. Yeah, six. and then they made changes. <laughs> okay, so they lost seven this year and still finished last. You just said they're gonna be they're gonna have twenty five yeah. goals from Toledo. That's true. Yeah, and, and and honestly, it's MLS. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> we we could go ahead and knock out you know some of the top teams in the league, and then we go ahead and play play in Orlando and lose four three. Like it's 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 mental. Oh god! I, I, yeah. That's why I love this league. You never know what's going to happen, and and it's it's phenomenal, and you just got to love it. Um, but that's that's all our hot takes. Um, we'd love to hear some hot takes from you guys. So. Um, go ahead and, and put in comments or, or you know, send emails. You can find us at the dppod at gmail.com. You can send in emails if you have any questions or anything like that. Uh, we also have Twitter uh, at the dppod, um, at the dppod1, excuse me. Um, and you can go ahead and, and follow us and tweet us there, uh, and we'll be, we'll be posting. And then also follow us on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, uh, the Designated Players Podcast. Um, it's a nice little green circle with red letters, the DP pod. And we'll be posting this podcast as well as clips from this podcast uh, day by day just to keep you guys entertained and keep you guys coming back for more. Um, and before we wrap it up, I actually have a question of the day. And it's something that I was going to uh, try and surprise you guys with to get you thinking kind of off the top of your head. But Connor caught me. Um, so so my Dang. question of the day or of the week uh, and this goes out to everybody out there too, if anybody's listening. <laughs> um, what is your favorite memory 
of MLS since you started following? And I'm going to throw it to Connor because I know he has his, his answer prepared, and I'll let Adam think a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been following for very long, so there's only a short window I can go with. But as an Atlanta fan, I mean, it's got to be obvious. It's got to be winning MLS Cup. That has to be the biggest moment for, obviously, Atlanta, as well as for myself following them. And, I mean, just the way that they played, too, then, with Tata as the coach and having Joseph and Miguel Amaron, those two were just so fun to watch. And not having Almiron anymore makes me really miss him, especially (laughs) when I watch him play at Newcastle. And it's just, it's not the same for either. It hasn't been the same for Atlanta, and Almiron hasn't been the same over there. And, yeah, but watching them when they played together was just incredible. They just had such a fun attacking game plan. and It was something I'll miss. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, PT can step up and, and, and fill those shoes a little bit better than he has been. Uh, yeah. And Yosef can get firing again because I'll be honest with you. I, we, we joke about it all the time off air. Um, I do genuinely love watching Yosef Martinez play. He is the type of striker everybody wants to have in their team. Um, you know, the guy who, who Bradley Wright Phillips was when he first, you know, came in the league. Every time he touched the ball, the ball went in the net. And it's something that you love to see because you, you, you know it, it's exciting. And, and outside of, honestly, outside of the playoffs, you know, that was Bradley Wright Phillips. But, um, you know, it's something that you really look forward to in a striker. And, and just as, a, as a, a guy who appreciates the game, you know, I appreciate his style of play a lot. Um, so so I, I'm, I'm hoping that he gets clicking, but not, not enough to knock Red Bull out of their supporter shield spot next year. Not enough to uh, displace Sardis. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. All right, Adam, what about you? What is your favorite memory since you started following the league? Oh, um, the two that stand out, and they're definitely more recent. I mean, Andrew will know the Red Bull one I'm thinking of. Uh, I'll give him a hint. It has to do with NYC, obviously. Yep. It'd be a big old seven up and smackdown. Yes, sir. Uh, I just remember I was supposed to actually go to that game, and I'm very sorry I didn't. Um, it was the first new Hudson River Derby that I hadn't gone to since the first one, um, and I just remember watching it on TV, thinking, "This is awesome! Like <laughs> this is this is." something that will always be remembered um and the more recent one is zlatan's introduction against lafc that 40 yard thunder strike over as a a welcome to mls stewart holden (laughs) announcement even though we all we we all love Stu and his announcements yeah something like that But yeah, those those are the two that stick out. Well, it's funny the uh, the the seven nothing game is actually my first ever Red Bull game, first one ever. Um, oh wow! And and the, it, it's actually a funny story behind it because it was supposed to be me, Connor, uh, our buddy Jason, and Matt, and it was supposed to be us four. Matt Matt buys the tickets and he calls me back because I was still at school when he bought the tickets and he goes, "I made a mistake." And I go, "What's that?" He goes, "I have I have my junior banquet on." on the same day as the game, I can't go. And then Connor couldn't go either. So it was me and Jason. We found two other of our, our buddies to go. And um, we watched the game and we were sitting 11 rows up um, first base side. Cause you know, you gotta, you gotta keep the things we were right underneath the uh, um, supporter section. I've got a video to all this and we can link it later. Um, 
you know, it's on 7,000 views. It's kind of a big deal. It's, it's whatever. But um, <laughs> it, it was really funny because I was actually Jack Harrison's first game. And he played on Manhattan PSG, which was a team that we had played in the State Cup. And three of my old teammates were there. And we're like, I know that kid. We, we played against that kid. And it was it was really surreal because it was like, that was a time when kids our age were starting to play. And we are like, oh my God, we actually played against this guy. So that was really cool. And then, uh, yeah, there's a lot of time when everybody remembers. And that is just a, a great one. And for me, um, my favorite is the 2018 Supporters Shield victory on the last day over Atlanta. You know, it goes down to the wire. Yeah, I was... It was comeback. What was that? I said I was in the Viking Army that day. Oh, yeah. I, I actually remember. I think it was you who gave me your, your ESPN uh, account Plus to, watch, login. to watch Atlanta, Toronto on one screen with Red Bull on the other. And you know, it goes down yeah. to the wire. From from the, like, it was like two months left in the season. It looked like it was all wrapped up. Everything was over. And um, it was just impossible. It was going to be Atlanta's to win. And they were going to do the double and, and all that stuff. And then the GOAT, Derek Etienne Jr., comes in. Scores the literal weakest goal I've ever seen to win a to, to ever, but also the weakest goal to win a title of all time. But yet it was one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. And at the same time, I'm on my computer and I'm watching Toronto versus Atlanta, and they're just choking it away. Toronto, Toronto were struggling that year. They had nothing going for them. And they just walk into Atlanta, who literally, I don't think they put a foot wrong all season. They just smack them in their home field. Or where they, they might have been away, but they just they go and they yeah snap. Atlanta was away yeah and it was right after we had just gotten to that uh, postseason tunnel scrum with them with Josie Sasha uh, and they were fighting in the tunnel that was right after that they come out and they they win us one of the one of the coolest pieces of uh, silverware in in club history and it just, all the pieces came together and it was just such a great feeling um, one of my one of my favorites of all time and. Hopefully we can add an, a, a cup to that. And I, that was one of the last times Supporter Shield was ever going to be, uh, you know, memorable and, and, and realistic. And, and actually, I'll, I'll use the term matter because now it doesn't really matter because you're not playing everybody. But <clears throat> back then it mattered and it was a good uh, good little piece of silverware to have. But, uh, one day, when, you know, when we have 50 teams in the league, we'll play everybody and yeah. we'll bring it back. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get on that FIFA calendar, and we'll have our own calendar, and no breaks, and we'll be playing in, in the middle of winter, and everything will be full mango. It'll be great. Exactly. Yeah, Can't wait. Um, but unless anybody else has anything to add. No. Uh-uh. That seems like, <coughs> excuse me, that seems like our first ever podcast done. I want to thank Connor and uh, Adam for joining me. Um, I, I, I really appreciate your insight on this. This was a, a real good conversation to have. was a good time being here with you <laughs> yeah i'm excited to see where this thing goes yeah, i'll see sure. you guys next week yeah absolutely yeah um coming back next week if you guys uh, uh tune in next week we're gonna post these every friday if we can uh but next week we're gonna come back and um we're gonna talk about our the transfer window roundup um from that point into the past so uh you know before any of the major signings have been made um, we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference, how, how teams in the Eastern Conference lay out, um, as well as um, some of that stuff uh, like that. Um, and yeah, so it, it's really exciting, and we got a lot of stuff planned for the next. I think we got like four weeks of shows planned already. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk CCL next week. We're gonna talk uh, the away legs and 
and talk about predictions like that. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, we, we, I think we got like, again, four, we, four shows planned. Uh, so about a month worth of, uh, content for you guys. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll plan it out after that once the season gets, uh, uh full, fully going. So, uh, again, thanks you for tuning in. If you made it this long, um, again, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at the DP pod one, uh, go ahead and send emails into the DP pod at gmail.com. Uh, and then go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube, the Designated Players Podcast, and all of that will be linked below. Um, or you can go ahead and look it up if you're listening to this instead of watching it. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, any parting words from you guys? Sorry for Golden Boot. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, no. All right. We're good. Cool. Guys, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks for talking with us. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Designated Players Podcast. But if you close your eyes...